Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. It's not another Buffalo podcast with John. And uh, we're all in a lot better mood this week. So I, I'd expect the over under to be much lower than 19 bleeps. Brando. Um, my sister was saying that when Pat was giving the hero of the drought and he stumbled and said Ryan Fitzpatrick and started dropping all the F words, she was playing the uh, the show at her job in the hospital and everybody was cracking up. The nurses were dying laughing. And Pat. Crazy thing about this player is he is a very fertile man. Okay? So one record that he has, he is in second place for, um, you know, Having a ton of children. Um, Ryan Fitz. Oh, Jesus f-ing Christ. Hi, <laughs> 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 right, what's up? Welcome to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. Uh, Brando and Pat, how you guys doing? Oh, we are living. Pat, what about you? Living the dream as usual? <laughs> yep. You know. We're alive, man. We're yeah. blessed to be here. <laughs> I just put my I just put my hand uh, on my chest and my heart's still beating. So you know, um, whatever. There you go. <laughs> hey, we get to talk about the Bills, man. About a good Bills team. The setup for this episode is uh, is is fun because Brandon's in Buffalo and and Pat and I were just hanging out and recording some music and uh, so it, it's believe it or not, it's harder to do two people in person and one person virtual. So we had to go full on three person virtual. So I mean, take this for a dynamic. I'm in I'm in my parents' basement. Pat is in my childhood bedroom, and Brandon is in the seven one six. So that's the uh, that's the setup for today. There's some really cool guitar um, wallpaper. Oh, that's hilarious. But anyway, so celebrating the Bills win this week. I mean, I'm sure we expected it, but then again, this year, like. Tons of unexpected things have happened and uh, really starting to uh, hit that transition into December and the NFL season, which is the critical point of the year. So like, how you guys, how you guys feel about the bills? Do you think, I know the saints were depleted, so it's kind of hard. Like a lot of people were saying like, we didn't learn anything from this game and I can totally understand that, but do you guys at least feel optimistic? And, uh, and I mean, the Trey White injury is absolutely devastating. I'm sure we'll we'll talk plenty about that and and how that affects the ceiling for this team moving forward and stuff like that because he's obviously such a big piece of of that defense. But other than that, like, how was the win for you guys? Did you guys have a good time watching that on Thanksgiving? Yeah, man. The uh, Thanksgiving Day game is something I'm absolutely a fan of. I love that they play away. I love when it's in the afternoon and I love that the Lions play early because I, you know, my family and I are always watching that game. So it's always a good day of football for me. The thing is, it was really funny because I was talking, Nate and Holly came over for the game and we were watching it. And I was talking about how I wanted to name Tony, my cat after a player on the bills. And I kept saying, like, I, I was going with Wally or Levi for Levi Wallace. Yep. And yep. I was like, I was going to name him Trey because Trey is my second favorite player besides Josh Allen. And uh, I, I was like, but I already know Trey and I see Trey too much to have my cat also be named Trey. 
<laughs> Literally, I swear to God, man, seven seconds after I said that, he tore his ACL. Ugh. Like right as the words are coming out of my mouth, the play happens. Like then he hobbles off the field and they cut to commercial. They said he was down and I pull up on my phone and I'm like, where's the update? Where's it? Like within six seconds of cutting to commercial, uh, somebody tweeted that he was walking off the field and I was praying that he would be fine. Cause they were like, how do you get instant updates? And I was like, you have no idea how many of the bills content creators that I follow on Twitter. <laughs> it comes fast. So, uh, I was quite, disheartened to see that but you know i think we're built to overcome something like this we have the best safety duo in the league we don't play a lot of man-to-man levi's a baller uh, i love trey he's super nice every time i've ever met him he's a super nice guy he, he he's such a joy to be around and uh, he brings that to the locker room but i think poyer and Hyde are going to step up levi wallace is battled and whoever they use on that second cornerback spot uh they don't really have any big time receiving threats coming up so i think they they'll be all right no threats except for all the guys in Tampa Bay. But, um, <laughs> yes. yeah. but t- uh, Tom Brady apparently doesn't throw to Mike Evans. So, but that's, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's, that's two games ahead. But anyway, what else did you guys, uh, Pat, I'll ask you, wh- what did you see from the Thanksgiving game that you liked? Yeah. What, what players had a, had a good performance? Well, I think more so than anything. I mean, I don't know. This is like a generic take, but I really, I don't know. There's been so many games, especially like, the Indianapolis game where like Josh had two bad picks and he just never, never recovered. And I was just glad to see, you know, the resiliency in this team. And then also, I mean, I don't know, man, I think Jermaine Edmonds kind of means a lot to the team. And when he's playing, like they're significantly better on defense. So, you know, I, I pray that Trey gets better and, you know, people forget the dude's his class valedictorian. If it comes down to him having to teach other players, I think that he could be really good at that too. Uh, that's a very good point, Pat. You see Trey White put the coaching hat on now just so he can be included, right? Because he probably yeah. loves these guys. Yeah, I definitely think there's there's a lot of value for him in, in in that role as well. And certainly he was already doing that even when he was, you know, 100% healthy. But yeah, I mean, it's it's next man up. And I'm sure once we get into our New England preview, we'll talk about the bills that are coming back from injury as well that might uh, fill a couple holes that they've been missing these past few weeks, but yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I was impressed. Um, Josh had a good game, but particularly Ed Oliver had a really good game for me. Yeah. Like he was, he was kind of the player that, that really kind of stuck out. He was, Yo, this his, guy, uh, this guy scoring his and he's got, they got to score him a sack, dude. That was a terrible, that was a terrible assessment when they gave him a half sack dog. Like, come on, give him a full sack. I feel so bad for the guy, but Sorry, man. I'm yeah. gonna cut you He's off. had like three or four full sacks um, yeah. called back because of of penalties and stuff like that. So it was nice to see him finally get one that counted on the stat sheet. But sorry, man. I was that ice. Pat, do you need me to like get you some water? <laughs> I was ice. Anyways, all right. No, I, I'm good. Yeah. Wait, wait for that ice to melt, and then uh, you got some more yeah, water. Yeah, dude. Patience. It's like second drink. Yeah, well, the other thing is, and I don't know if you saw it a lot in this game or not after Trey went out, but that D-line is going to be so important now, even more than it already was, because I feel like they're not going to... They don't do it generally. They don't bring a lot of pressure too, too often. They'll send one one or two linebackers here and there, but I feel like they're going to definitely continue to play this zone and hope that they can get pressure with their D-line and, and use that extra blitzer to you know help out 
Dean Jackson, Levi Wallace, or even Cam Lewis will probably get some snaps. Yeah, as Buffalo you should. product. UB guy, which is cool. And and these guys have been groomed for this. They they were drafted. They have practiced against the best receivers in the game. That counts for something, right? But even then you said in that game, like Ed Oliver stepped up. It, we don't need to worry about any cornerbacks if we're going to take the quarterback down in three seconds or get pressure on him. You know, like you saw with Josh, the way that they were able to neutralize Josh, was, which really sucks. This stat from the game where Josh had his first red zone interception of his career. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they hit tip, his arm. They hit tip, his arm on the yeah, throw. Tipped. Yeah. Asterisk. So that's 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 bull. But whatever. Um, I'm only a little salty because we won. But the only thing about it is. Uh, Last thing I'm going to say about Trey is just that, you know, starting 72 games out of 72 games in his career, I feel like we've just taken that for granted with a lot of these players. And, you know, that's why last year was a little bit magical for us and that we didn't have anything like this. But, you know, last year's magic ran out when we needed it. So I feel like I would rather be built on resiliency than on magic. Right. Because. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You're able to bounce back. So I was was just going to say I was listening to. Um, you know, they were talking a little bit in the Patriots Titans game and like Bill Belichick, believe it or not, like, I mean, and Trey White, like you said, he's an all world player, 72 to 72 games. Like he, I've never seen a playoff game with the Buffalo Bills where he wasn't playing. But that being said, I mean, Bill Belichick, his best defensive back, JC Jackson's undrafted, man. Like, you know, and Belichick is the first one to say that in the NFL, a lot of responsibilities, um, you know, when game planning against him, you know has to do with the intermediate pass game, you know, because that's where they're best right now. So, I mean, you know, I feel like, I mean, obviously I don't think we're going to find a JC Jackson diamond in the rough, but like, I, I mean, I, I would only think it's practical that, you know, there, there could be some success and that there's, there's been guys who have come from, you know, less polished situations than, than Dane Jackson and still performed as well. And like he was, he almost beat out Levi Wallace in training camp. So I, I'm still holding out hope. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll say about this too is Trey White is absolutely irreplaceable. You know, we're talking about cornerback two spots and stuff like that and how Levi Wallace has beat out guys in training camp and stuff like that. But, you know, when we're talking about the impact on this defense, I think it's, it's you know, if we're going to be optimistic about this, it's even more uh, productive to think about the offensive side of the ball and like what better time for the offense to hit their stride and start scoring 40 points a game consistently like they did in December last year, you know? Because that's yep. the one thing that, you know, will even cover this hole more than Dane Jackson stepping up or Cam Lewis stepping up. The, the biggest thing that'll cover that is the offense scoring 40 points and it not mattering if the defense gives up 30, you know? And not, not that I'm saying that's what you want on, on week to week, but... If the Bills can hit their stride on offense and be borderline unstoppable, then yeah, we can give up some we can give up some ground in the passing game. And, you know, also the other side of this too is people don't throw at Trey White. They offenses scheme to avoid him. So now if you're taking that out, then maybe that gives a little bit more opportunity for the pass rushers of the other team. Maybe I mean, the strength of the Bills' defense has always been pass defense, and they've been vulnerable to the run, and we saw that in the Colts game. So maybe now that they don't see Trey White there at, at corner, you know, maybe they're thinking, okay, now we're we're going to go a little bit more pass heavy. And I think that might even work to the Bills' advantage because they've still got two great safeties. Levi Wallace is 
great NFL corner, even at even at cornerback two. And absolutely, and certainly our nickel corner, Taron Johnson, is is cream of the crop. So, but you think they'll play more four three now? No, I, I really don't think so. Um, I think they're going to stay in the nickel. Taron Johnson is is best in the nickel. They're not going to move him outside. Um, I think they're going to stick to their strength because the rest of the defense, it's not just Trey White. Trey White wasn't the reason that they're in nickel. Um, nickel is just a, a good defense to be in when you're trying to stop the pass. Um, and, you know, in a league where it's primarily stop the pass because that's what can burn you. I mean, it used to be run and stop the run, but I mean, it's 2021. The NFL is based on past heavy offenses. If you have a great nickel corner, that can really win you some matchups. So I think they're going to continue to do that, do what they're good at, keep Taron Johnson inside because if you move him outside, like I saw Sal Capaccio talking about this on Twitter. If you mil- if you move him outside, then you're creating another hole in in your defense. So keep him doing yeah, what is he it does all- good. This is... But- this is my take on that because I feel like if you have Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, and AJ Klein as your three linebackers, you don't sacrifice that much. Well, I guess the that's, question you had another, is what, another trio of that's linebackers. True, but you're thinking about so those three linebackers look really good on running downs. And I say running downs lightly. Milano because, and Edmonds look good on all downs, though. Of course. Like, well, they but do. they're also in yeah. on the nickel. So you're talking about AJ well, Klein versus Taron yeah. Johnson. They're down. Who, yeah, would you you rather, who would you rather have on a slot receiver or a running back, Taron Johnson or uh, AJ Klein? Well, what Definitely I mean, if they want size, Johnson, too, I, they could go big nickel with Saran Neal, too. I feel like that's something that, you know what I mean? Short of using a 4 3. I mean, like Brando said, I mean, I don't think Saran Neal is going to come up there and, you know, make many plays at the line of scrimmage, but. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like being able to mix it up, but they're creative. We have good coaching staffs that know how to how to get the best out of their players. So yeah, and one hundred percent, we're talking about what they're going to do most of the time. So I certainly will see situations where Saran Neal's coming out in the big nickel, like you said, Pat, and also we'll see situations where they're going into the four or three with three linebackers and putting AJ Klein on the field as well. So. I mean, it's almost a mute point because you're thinking about what they're going to do the most. And I think they're just going to stay with their base nickel with Taron Johnson and and put Dane Jackson in their corner. I think that's what we're going to see the most. You're, that's what I was just going to say, John. It's a mute point because you're going to see what they do the most. My favorite analogy for this is like, it works. They They obviously work with what they have so far for their entire career with Trey White. But, you know, if you put a boat and you gentlemen have all been on a boat with me at the same time and we have never sank. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, but <laughs> if you think about it, you know, and there's a hole in the back of the boat and you just drive faster, you're not going to sink, right? There's no, no water's going to go in the hole in the back of the boat because you're just gunning it, right? Water's going out the back because your offense is, is going full throttle. So if you have some holes, like you said, the best way to clog those holes, don't just go faster, like score more points, push that throttle up as long as it's not like you know some iceberg titanic sh- where they take out the front of your boat and you just drive it underwater but you know <laughs> thankfully that's never happened to us so uh like i said like and you said it anybody who watches this team should say it just let them score more points score more points is our best defense that's fine yeah 100 percent. I, I think that that's the day right there so 
I think we're on board with that. Also, speaking of of this, sorry to cut you off there. I just want to say happy birthday, Stefan Diggs. Love you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, He looks great, man. Brando Brando had a birthday recently, and I thought he was going to start singing it to himself. And I was like, that's next level, bro. Bro, (laughs) I will never, ever sing happy birthday to myself. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing (laughs) enough when you get happy birthday sung to you. Like, that's the most awkward moment of the year for everybody, I feel like. When... You know, three to seven people are singing happy birthday to you and you're sitting there wondering what the hell you're supposed to do. You know, like, birthdays as a twin have a different dynamics. I don't know. That's, that's true. Especially story. when you're not the favorite <laughs> twin in the family. No, definitely. She listens. She's an <laughs> yeah. avid listener. Well, I, I'm thinking like what you guys said about scoring points here. and I'm looking at the box score from last week. Um, I mean, the Titans had two 100-yard rushers, and it looks like Dontrell Hillard, uh, dog was averaging 11 yards a pop. And Dante Freeman, 109 yards on 19 carries for 5.7 a pop. Like, is there a possibility we can run on this team? What do you boys think? I mean, it seems like pass defense is one of their their strengths. I mean... So, Pat, I think that's a great point. So, let, let's lead off the ne- next segment with that after we get through the Sabres update, but... Brandy, you got this. Uh, you got the Sabers yep. update. I do. It's time for the weekly Sabers update. Guys, I recently had to start dressing up for work again, so I had to check out Marshalls, and I got this really cool polo. It's like this navy blue gray Sabers polo, and it was only nine dollars. Uh, they also lost, I believe, it's seven to three tonight, and that's all there is. Seven to four. Seven to four. Oh, seven to four. My bad. Yeah, I don't know. This has been your weekly Sabres update. All right, we're going to take a real quick break here, but when we get back, we'll get into some uh, New England preview. Biggest game of the year coming up right here, and uh, we're going to lead it off with some of Pat's points because I think he's got a uh, good role to go on here. So we'll be right back. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Talking to myself and I'm feeling just fine. Talking to myself. All right. 
So, Pat, you had a pretty good point there talking about um, teams being able to run on New England. Um, we definitely saw that in this past game with the Titans. They had, you said, 200-plus yard rushers. Yeah, they, I mean, the Titans had a guy who had 11 yards per pop. I mean, and these are two backup running backs. Now, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I just thought, you know, I'd ask you guys what you what you felt about that. I mean, I, would I have think a take on this, but John, you can go first. If you yeah, yeah, well, I, I just want to ask the question. Um, does anyone have the stats pulled up or can we pull them up? Like, I want to like New England's rushing defense this year. Is that an anomaly or is that a trend for them? It says they're moving towards the top 10. Um, in rushing well, yards against? Well, it's interesting because guess what team is first yeah. right now, Don? Team is first in no. what? Rushing yards against? Like most rushing, most rushing yards given rushing up? rushing yards per game. Like, uh, like who, most, who gives up the least rushing yards per game? Um, ugh. I don't even know if I have a good guess for this. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. Is it the Pats, dude? I feel like Buffalo was actually near the top for this at one point, but I don't think yeah, they're there. Jonathan, the Bills are fifth. New England, New New England is twentieth. But I'll just give it to you. It's Tampa. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well that well, makes I, sense. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a dominant it front four. Yeah. Teams are throwing against them. Teams are not running because they're down usually, right? Well, right. And and Tampa has Tampa has such a front a good front seven. You know, you got Vita Vea up in the middle, and, yeah. and you've got two really great linebackers and Nandama Kansu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he used to be so dirty when he was in Detroit. But anyway. Don't want to go too far down that. <laughs> There's a difference between being misunderstood and being a bad guy. All right. Well, there, there's a lot to uh, unpack OG there, and I don't know if we have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so here, Pat, I, I didn't want to cut you off. You had something to say there. I was just going to say that I'm looking at the stats here, and the Patriots are allowing um, 4.5 yards a carry against opposing teams through 12 games. Yeah. 115 yards per game. But... So here's my thing is what was the final score of the game between Tennessee and New England? It was 13-36. Who who won? Pats 36 the to Patriots. 13. So do you think Bill Belichick would plan that again to not let Josh Allen throw all over us or not let Steph Diggs go off cuz if I recall Steph Diggs waving a peace sign in their yeah, last and, meeting uh, and JC the thing Jackson. about that the thing about it is is I would rather I don't care if they game plan to pass the ball. They Bill Belichick is going to want us to run the ball to keep the game close. And anything that man wants you to do, I just, I'm going to try to do the opposite. Even if it's the matchup is not right, because I believe my MVP quarterback needs to be able to dictate the game. We're paying him $40 million a year. Dictate that motherfucking game. Sorry. Uh, it's, was, it just really was, bothers me. No, you're good. That was, that was a well-used bleep. People are going to bow down to Belichick. That's fine. But you have the personnel. You have the receivers. You have the talent. You are better equipped to beat them the way that you want to beat them. You're playing your game. And you could throw in some play action. You can sprinkle in some draws, but you should throw the ball. Like, don't get sucked into this keeping the score low kind of game. 100% agree with with you, Brando. And uh, I think we saw that, like, the two sides of that in the games last year because the first game, you obviously could tell that Bill Belichick didn't want Josh Allen to throw. And they said, okay, you know, if you're going to go single high safety most of the time, then we're going to run and we're going to do this. And it ended up being a low scoring game. And it took, you know, Justin Zimmer punching the ball out of Cam Newton's hands uh, for the Bills to win that game. And we kind of forgot about that. But 
I feel blank, like our outlook blank, on these games would be much different if Cam Newton didn't fumble that, then that would be the, you know, the tale of the low scoring game, the running game where they kind of, you know, they, they brought you down to your level and, and made you run the ball, yep. which is their strength as well. And I, I think hey, that's still their can, strength. Can I put even. in something real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Cam Newton went five of 20 for 30 yards in his game and got benched on Sunday. Carry uh, on. Yo, friend of the show, Cam Newton. We could, uh, we could do a whole segment on this. Like Pat and I have been talking about this all day. Like what, what was his passer rating? Do you have that pulled up, Brandon? Zero. Yeah. I have a screenshot. Yeah. Isn't it? If you throw the ball in the dirt, every play that's 37 and a half. So I don't even know Cam Newton passer rating. Cause I'm pretty sure if you, if he was <laughs> 0 for 20 with no picks, he would, he would have a passer rating of 37.5. 5.8 passer rating. <laughs> Oof. Yikes. Dear Lord. 5 of 21 <laughs> for 92 yards and I believe two interceptions. Maybe. Or He's no, back. No interceptions. He's back. God. <laughs> this is the last year we have to do this. Well, they just got to stop giving him the benefit of the doubt, man. But hey, uh, whatever. What have you done for me lately? Nothing. Come on, guys. The NFL is just so slow. They're all buddies, man. They all just want yeah. to be with familiarity. They don't want to change. For real, man. If I want to watch a middle-aged man wear a sun hat, like I'll go to Alabama and watch Nick Saban, man. Like, come on. But yeah, speaking of of that, man, something funny. So on November 22nd, Lincoln Riley just talks about how he loves his Oklahoma job and it would take $250 yeah. million dollars to leave and all this stuff. Well, I guess, you know, and he takes his like five buddies with him from Oklahoma because they're his yeah. friends. Just guess what his contracts details what, was. Now, This is not a confirmed source from USC, talking, but yeah. USC favorited it and retweeted it on their page today. Because didn't he have a year left? So they probably had to buy him out of his deal. Um, with yeah, Oklahoma. sorry, I'll read it to you. Jesus. $110 million salary for his total contract length. USC purchased both of his homes in Norman, Oklahoma, and they bought him a $6 million home in LA and unlimited use of the private jet for his family. That's that's <laughs> disgusting, dude. And people pay tuition at University right. of Oklahoma and University of Southern Carolina so They're this guy can that. go and play musical chairs with his quarterbacks. I mean... Kyle Rattler is going to be talking to a shrink for the rest of his life because uh, old Rinkin Riley couldn't make up his mind, man. Like I don't, I've never heard yeah. of a coach getting paid that much. Nick Saban doesn't get paid that much. Like I'm sorry, taxpayers of California, like that sucks. Man. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, the tuition dollars, man. Yeah. Well, I heard Cliff Kingbury, yeah. if he doesn't, if he doesn't make the playoffs this year in Arizona and get an extension, they've looked into him at, at Oklahoma too, yeah, which I is, that too. I feel like that's just pulling, Cliffs Kingsbury is like, hey, Arizona, you should uh, hook me up with a deal here. This is on the table. It's like telling your girlfriend you got hit on by a girl at a bar. But literally all a girl ever has to do anywhere is just to walk in public and men flock her. So it's like, okay, you had a girl hit on you one time. But like, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) But yo, yo, funny, funny tweet. I saw this. Yo, this is funny. Sorry. Uh, This job at... Notre Dame might be the second thing that falls into Urban Meyer's lap this year. And they'd be like, Urban, we th- we thought about having you convert, but we saw that woman dancing on you and we knew that we knew that you weren't Notre Dame material after that. When when Manti wanted a girl to <laughs> dance on him, he just pulled out his phone and it was virtual, you know, but I'm sorry. Okay, I'm gonna have to cut that out, but um <laughs> 
anyway, okay, so we were we were talking about the games last year and and how one of them, uh, Bill Belichick, definitely did dictate what the Bills were going to do, and then the second one they just passed all over them and and ran up the score and had a really entertaining game for us uh, on Monday Night Football as well. So anyway, like you said, Brandon, I think that, you know, the, the Bills need to dictate this game. I would 100% expect Bill Belichick to come out too high safety, run the cover two shell and dare the Bills to run. Like take guys out of the box yeah, I mean, because they know that they know that that's the Bills weakness and, and their strength is getting the ball to digs and stuff like that. So you can expect that they're going to be bracketing digs most likely. And the difference is this year is New England has a lot of those defensive players back. I mean, how many people opted out for COVID last year? And and even in that first game, with all those opted out players, they still kind of dictated what the Bills did on offense, which I guess is the part that scares me. But like I said, all I can say is I hope that they stick to who they are. They stick to their guns. They really try to feed the ball to Steph Diggs. The other thing that, sorry, the other thing that I think that is different from last year even with their players coming back, is Matthew Judon, right? So they could play the yeah. top two safeties, right? And Van Noy coming safeties. back too is like huge, you know, from the Dolphins. Yeah, but having that pressure coming, so depending on who gets him, whether it's Dion, Spencer Brown, Cody Ford, you know, whoever matches up against him, they're going to have their hands full. And even if you have Matt Breida out there for that speed element and maybe kind of chalk up the middle of the field a little bit with those cover two safeties, um, He's not that great of a blocker, so even if you're trying to chip him sneaking out of the backfield, I don't know. It's going to come down to Josh and the offensive line really being able to read the play and set up his scheme on the line and make sure they all understand it because they generally, you know, New England's good at scheming up that stuff. So they do have the greatest coach of all time, but I just... Looking at the whole picture thing, man, you know what? I was thinking about this earlier. When you look at Mac Jones, right? I mean, we always, Mr. McCorkle, we, 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 we pick on him a little bit. That's okay. But when I look at Josh, you know, he's our soulmate in this city. Josh in shorts, Josh and Stefan, BFFs. They're not perfect always. Josh can get a little wild, but just like everybody, you know, it happens to the best of us. But he always has those good intentions, right? He's your guy who's got your back. He's there to play for you. And the thing is, is life comes at you hard and he adapts, right? He's good at making plays on the fly. He'll be the guy that we have forever. Mac Jones, I just think he's like your rebound after Tom Brady, right? So cool. He he got himself a good girlfriend, right? The Bill Belichick has got himself a new partner. Uh, He's all right. And that's okay. It's okay to be in an okay, to date somebody okay that you don't find as your soulmate, right? And they are going to find success. They're not unhappy. They are totally fine. They are pretty good on some days. They're, they don't have terrible days, yeah. but that's why they're around. But guess what? Your Super Bowl caliber soulmate is Josh Allen. And McCorkle Jones is the person you settle with, like, you know, and you have an average life and, and you just die regretting everything. And Josh Allen's the guy that you like ride off in the sunset with, right? And the Bills are here. And we've waited for it. And that's the difference. I really think forever, you know, at least right now, we can talk about this again later if McCorkle blossoms <laughs> into something other than a Twinkie. A uh, macaroni blossom. So we'll see. Yeah, but right now, that's the edge. I don't care what you say yeah, to me. I don't man. care any sort of stats. The point differentials, they're all really close. The turnover margin is down. They have more turnovers than us. Uh, you know, so we'll see. But I'm going to put it on 
I'll take Josh over Mac. Hundred percent, dude. I I really love that that insight too because, yeah, you're right. We have the better quarterback, and you know, sure, we're we're all af- afraid of the big bad wolf and and the emperor that is Bill Belichick. But I think that there's a lot riding on this game, and and to give you guys some perspective on how much is riding on this game. I've got a. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen some tweets on this before, but I've got yeah, a tweet here from 60%. Aaron Shots. Yeah, at, at fo uh, underscore a shots. I'll let you guys spell that on your own. But anyway, so just to give you guys an idea of how much is riding on this game, and this is really mind blowing because after this game, the Patriots and Bills still have a matchup left after this. But to think about um, how much this game could swing things, here are the percentages. Uh, for the number one seed based on if the Patriots or Bills win on Monday Night Football this coming week. So if the Patriots win, according to these Sims, they have a 61% chance of getting the number one seed. Second is Ravens at 18%, then Titans at 7%, Chiefs at 7%, Bengals at 2%, and Bills at 2%. So if the Bills lose this game to the New England Patriots, you're looking at a 2% chance of the one seed. And also, that's not even thinking about their... So chances. you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a chance that we've always gone on. But, you know, we're, we're better than this. We're, we're a playoff yeah. team. We're not a drought team. Do you, but, have, the, do you anyway, have the odds of winning the division if we drop this game, though? I don't have it's that in front of me. It's still not bad that we but, would have to... But, again... It, it takes a hit. There's a pretty big swing there. This is for the number one seed. So anyway, AFC number one finish seed. Your stat, John. Yeah, yeah, finish yeah. Your stat. This is if the Bills win. So if the Bills win, Ravens have a 28% chance of the one seed. That's the number one. And Bills have a 20% chance of the one seed. Then the Patriots, 16%. Titans, 15%. Chiefs, 10%. Bengals, 6%. So if you're looking, at, if you're looking <laughs> at a swing there, the Pats... If they win is 61%, if they lose is 16%. Bills if they win is 20%, if they lose is 2%. And honestly like I don't 20% is according to the Sims and stuff like that, but it's a huge win. I mean if if you're thinking about winning that game and how much it would do to win two games against the Pats as well along with the other the other matchups cuz I know Paz is talking about this we got the Jets still we got the Panthers still so the one seed is very much attainable and the Falcons but but I mean they've got they've got more to lose than what they have to gain and they've got a lot to gain so that that's my only point but Brandon go ahead I feel like the Patriots definitely have more to play for in this game because it's weird that we it's just a weird dynamic with them because they lost to Miami week one. So they they could True. have a better conference True. record, but we could have a better division record. So we could still lose this game, but then win the next one because as long as we beat the Jets at the end of the year, yeah. we will have, we would have a better AFC East record. So it's, it gets real confusing now, though, because Miami could make the playoffs. They're only a game back. Um, all of these four lost teams are clunkered in here with new England and Tennessee's fading. But this is, if you look at these teams that are grouped together, I would rather be the bills and the chiefs 10 out of 10 times because Lamar has been good, but they've shown weaknesses. They played a clunker of a game the other night and 
all those injuries on the defense. But then you look at, they're all flawed. And out of all the flaws, I'd rather have the Bills flaws, right? They pass the ball too much. You know, they might take too many penalties, but I still would rather have this team than any of these other teams. And that includes the Patriots because oh, we just, we have a higher ceiling. We have the highest ceiling. I really think that with Kansas City, but you know, if we win this game, it pretty much locks up the AFC East for us because we would have to lose to the Jets and to the Patriots again. And one other, we would have to lose three games to lose the division if we lost this game. Yeah, so. you're right. I mean, it's very possible that even if they win the division that route, that they'd be looking at the three or the fourth seed, possibly, depending on who gets hot, because you can say that it's hard for any of these teams to like start looking at win out. But you know that one of them is, you know, you can't say who at this point, but statistically you can say like, you know, whether you think it's the Ravens, the Chiefs or like the Bengals or something like that, like one of those teams is going to get hot. I mean, because statistically, because of the matchups, the division races, all that stuff, like one of them is going to like all these teams can't lose all of these games. And so, yeah, no, I'm with you. I most likely want to be the Bills in this scenario. Um, so yes, I mean, that's, that statistic is very telling though, because if you're thinking about number one seed odds, 2% after a loss, you know, I would think in my mind, it seems like it'd still be higher because you could still win the division. And when you win the division, you're at least a four seed. Like that's the lowest you could be as a four seed. If you lose the division, then the highest you can be is a five seed. So really, I think it's going to come down to at least winning one of these matchups with the Patriots because you absolutely have to. If it would be like, if you lose both of them, there's a good chance you might even miss the playoffs. Like, miss the playoffs, yeah. man. Yeah. So, but also, I wouldn't give I wouldn't give a crap if we won the division at ten and seven or something with a trash record. Like, as long as we're able to have a game. I mean, I guess just to have a game in the postseason in general, but like, regardless of a record, I think that. I mean, obviously we got blown up by the Colts at home in a regular season game, but like last year I felt like it was a really, really, like I had never seen Buffalo's home field advantage in my lifetime play a factor in the playoffs. And like, like you guys were saying, I, I think that regardless of who's coming to town, you, know, you did able, last year. Yeah, that's what I was saying, man. Last year was the Ravens. Like, Yo, know, the Ravens took a delay game penalty on their own four yard line because the 400 fans in the back of the end zone were lo- so loud that Lamar couldn't get the snap off. And that was like the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen live. No, a hundred percent. And you can only imagine what that would be like with a full stadium. So I think we all, we all know what, what value a one seat holds. And I just value the buy, man. Here's, here's the other thing too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a free pass into the second round of the playoffs because we all know that it's any given Sunday. And when it's any, any given Sunday, that means even if you're the best team in the AFC, you could still go down in the wild card round. We've seen tons of teams advance to the Super Bowl that don't really, you know, quote unquote, deserve it. We can sit here and debate all day about whether the buy slows your momentum because there are certain wild card teams in the like early 2010s that did really well because they were playing every week, but. You can't debate that getting also the ones and twos had by exactly though. yeah yeah so like you can't debate that getting a free pass into the second round of the playoffs is a benefit because there's no chance that you lose week one and that's the main benefit not to mention the rest and getting a bye week and all that stuff but 
But you know what else slows down or stops momentum? When Cole Beasley is playing on a broken leg and Stefan Diggs has a strained oblique and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are nursing injuries and Jermaine Edmonds gets shoulder surgery after the season and John Brown has no hamstrings and he's out of the league now. So like all of these things derailed the bills last year and a buy probably helps. I mean, a little bit at least where they come in and think about it. You're two home games away from a super bowl, right? Like as the number one seed, that's what I like to think of. And so it just, it would have been super beneficial last year and I, I want them to get it this year, but even if they don't, it's okay. As long as there's a home game, as long as yeah, there's one home game. I agree with you. Brandon. It's, just, it's wild Cook. about the AFC this year because you're looking at these and everyone's got flaws. You know, the Bills obviously have their flaws. And in any other season, you know, if we're thinking two, three years ago where the, the Chiefs are so dominant, you'd be like, you'd write them off as say like the best you're going to do is the two seat at this point. But it's so wide open this year because everyone has shown their flaws. And, you know, it's it's we've kind of seen some of that any given Sunday stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that beating the Patriots is is A1 and... Yes, paramount. I mean, sweeping the Patriots last year, that I I, I don't want to be corny and say the word magical, but... No, it was magical, it, dude. No, Come on. It really was. <laughs> it was dude, 100% like, magical. When because I saw Zimmer punch we that ball, a, I was like, God is real. <laughs> Literally, dude, those were my words. And <laughs> when Bel- Belichick threw the phone, right? That was a yeah. lifetime moment. 100%. Dude. And we're going to remember that for, for the rest of our lives because we were the kids who were too young to remember when the Patriots sucked. We don't know a world where the Patriots are, are suck. And it's not about the Patriots sucking. It's about the Bills being good. But to see... I mean, we didn't even get two full matchups where they dominated. I feel like we were robbed twice in 2019, yeah. the year before. Both those games, certain calls go certain ways. Yeah. I mean, even back to Tyrod games, Calvin Benjamin's, Calvin touchdown. Benjamin's touchdown that got reviewed and they didn't see that both feet were in. Um, it's just like the list goes on and on and on. The you know, McKelvin taking the ball out of the end zone. I'm sorry, McGee. Oh man, did I get the right name there? It was no, uh, McAlvin. McAlvin. Don't yeah. hate on McGee. <laughs> sorry, uh, I got his jersey right here. Okay, the mic is sitting on it. But yeah, I mean, um, we've, sorry, that was we've loud only in known. I'm sorry. All we had for our entire lifetime was one win in 2011 with Fitzy and Fred Jackson and Stevie Johnson. Like man, that's still legendary. If you had to take a shot every time we talked about that show on this podcast, losing to Brady, hammered. like. The streak got to like 13 games in a row. So we'll take every single New England victory that we can. But, you know, six years, dude, that's a long time. Like, where else would you rather be than like facing the Patriots? And and like, they're not bad this year. We're not talking about this matchup like it's a trap game. We're talking about this matchup like, okay, they're good and we're good. And this is the biggest game of the season by far. And like, we're a little bit scared because they can run the ball and teams that have can really run the ball have, have hurt us this year for sure. But also if Josh Allen comes out and has a signature Josh Allen game, then we're going to win it. You know, there's, it's exciting. So Monday night is going to be a highly televised event. You know, like we're all going to be, the whole yeah. country is going to be watching is it's not just us, you know, and it's not just a once a year thing. And we still have two matchups with them. So, I think that the season hinges on whether you can beat the Patriots or not, which is almost poetic because 
the Patriots have consistently been the team that we could not beat. And I think it's an even harder test than it was last year. Because last year it, it was... Cam Newton is that bad. Not easy, but... Exactly. Yeah. They they had Cam Newton, which is kind of hampering. So but um, yeah. do we know anything about Star Latulale? Like if he's going to be playing on Monday or not? I, I mean I think Well that's you know, that is difference. the thing because this game could look uh, we talk about the loss of, of Trey White, but we can also talk about players coming back because not that any amount of players could equal what, what Trey White's contribution was, but we could look, be looking at a possible Star Latulale return depending on COVID protocols and they're not allowed to talk about that. So nobody knows what's going on except inside the building. We could be looking at Spencer Brown coming back, which we all know is, is such an important part of this offensive line all of a sudden who's struggling. And also John Feliciano is eligible to return from IR, which he has been for a week, two weeks, maybe at this point. He's been past the three-week mark, so we could be looking at an offensive line that doesn't have to start Cody Ford at guard as well, and, and certainly not, you know, having Bobby Hart active. So we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe I mean, Josh we'll have is some a more savage. info for that. Um, yeah, of course, Josh is a savage. He could and well in in, in primetime games, he's five and one um, with a four to one touchdown interception ratio, um, sixteen TDs, four ends. 106.1 passer rating. I don't want to jinx the man, but it does seem like when the when the whole world's watching, he he does shell out. So, fingers crossed. I, I have a question about that stat. Is that stat up to date? Because, I mean, if we're thinking about primetime, I know he's lost to the yeah, Chiefs last year and the Titans this year and the Titans last year, well, too. Well, they're talking so regular season. That, that ain't, this no, year? Says, they haven't had says, that many primetime oh, games it's yet. October, it's October 17th, dude. Okay. So yeah, I was going to say because... well. That wouldn't even be up to date then because they lost to the Chiefs and the Titans last year in primetime. True. But, I mean, for the most part, he's really shelled out. I can think of a lot of games where Josh... I mean, even in, uh, aside from aside from the Chiefs game, like, every performance he's had on primetime has been fire. Like, honestly. So, I'm, I'm hoping for more of the same. I will say, like, oh, here my is. favorite game from last year was when they played the 49ers in Arizona. He's just shredding them. I just that that Patriots game felt the same way for me because they were just dominating. No, hundred percent. Josh was hitting every hundred percent. Like they could do no wrong. Like I want to see one more. I want to see it again. I I guess that's it's a tale of two games. I think if they play the same type of game that they did against the Patriots with the first matchup last year, I think they might be in danger of losing. But if they play the second matchup, they're going to be fine. So. Hopefully they got enough stuff dialed up and uh, Bill Belichick can't really take away Stefan Diggs because you know that that's priority number one for him. Do you think it's taking away Diggs or taking away Allen, right? I mean, it's Allen and Diggs together, yeah, but the package deal. is it Allen's rushing? Is it Allen's passing to other receivers? Like what if Diggs goes off, but everybody else stays quiet, you know? Or it's it's Allen to like Diggs that. because so if, if you're thinking of a singularity thing that he's going to take away scheme-wise, it's Allen to Diggs because that's something that you can actually take away in a scheme if you're if you're thinking about bracket coverage and stuff like that because you can do the too high shell but I don't know if you're technically taking away Allen if you're forcing him to take underneath passes because that's exactly. that's something that Allen has shown that sometimes he showed that he hasn't been patient enough but I think that that's something yeah, that he's learned I think over he's these grown past few years. Like, at the same time yeah. he has grown and there have been games where he's taken that and if he keeps taking that then that'll force the defense to adjust accordingly if they can slowly march down the field. So 
you know, Cole Beasley is definitely an underneath route kind of guy. And Emmanuel Sanders has obviously been great too. And Dawson Knox returning, he contributed mightily in that, in that New Orleans game. So I think they, they have too much. I think uh, he'll play a big part. I, I really think they do. They have too many weapons to to really stop us. I really think that exactly. So I think that's true for every defense in the NFL. They aren't every defense except for Pittsburgh somehow. Well, it was like John said though. Yeah, you look at every good defense. I I honestly don't even think Pittsburgh's defense let up forty one points to the Bengals. I think it's more like John said. Like obviously they have some good players definitely, and I wouldn't want to face them again, let alone in the playoffs. But like at the same time, I feel like that's how the Jags beat us. That's how the Steelers beat us. Um, you know, it's just, that's I, I agree with you guys that like we have enough talent that it shouldn't come down to that. But I think that's when this team really struggles is when I mean, I used to think this was like the dumbest saying ever. But when the ball is out of Josh's hands or, you know what I mean, when when this team has to play one dimensional and Josh isn't taking stuff that's underneath. So fingers crossed it doesn't come to that, you know. Yeah, because no, those games, 100%. not only are they sad to watch, but they're like not only are they sad to watch, but they're boring and they're ugly we also, I don't know if you saw this. We have not talked about this. Let's hear it, Brando. Uh, I saw forecast predictor over Western New York for Monday. There's the lake effect model that they were predicting. They said if the winds carry the way that they do, that they can be set up for the conditions to have a big dumping of lake effect snow. And it said between 8 and 11 inches. Um, don't like that. On Monday. So I don't like that either. That would be another. Yeah. Oh God. If we had a dome, we didn't have to worry yeah, about it. Oh my God. But uh, again, this lesser team that could come in here with a run-based game plan and take it to us. But let's hope that doesn't happen. I think Josh could th- throw it through the snow as long as it's not super blizzard out. Yeah. I'll I'll say this. This is my. No, you're right. The, if Nathan Peterman my, could win a game in the snow. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that's why Nathan Peterman can win in a game in the snow because elements take good teams and bad teams and they lessen the gap between them. So <laughs> you're right. No, it's true. Right. Snow games for Buffalo were really great for 15 years when we had really bad teams because good teams would come in and their talent would be lessened. And then the gap between the two teams would be really like lessened. So you give yourself a, a bigger chance of having some freak game but if, if you're playing in a dome, then you're you're taking the elements out of it. And if, if you're a team that throws the ball well and, and has a high-powered offense and all this stuff, has a great kicker as well, then then you're taking the variance out of it. So Hey, listen, I'll still say Tyler Braska kicked 60 yards in the snow. I don't care. Same man, he's a savage. <laughs> I hope so. I do have a uh, I do anyway, have a hero right, of the drought right. for um my my most hated Bills player of all time. Um so if you guys want to hear about that, I'm ready to hear it. I was actually about to yes. roll the uh, roll the thing, so there we go. Yeah, my least favorite Buffalo Bill. Please remove your hats, lift your drink, and shut your trap as we salute this week's standout of the drought. All right, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to talk about possibly one of the most hated players throughout the playoff drought. Um, you know this guy actually finished fourth in the Heisman voting in 2003. Um, You know, he was born in Miami, Florida, played on a legendary 2002 national championship Miami team with the likes of Bill's current quarterback coach, Ken Dorsey. You're talking Greg Olson. You're talking Bryant McKinney. You're talking John Vilma. Legends, legends, all caps, legends. When he was at Miami, he actually broke the record. He still owns the school record. He has 10 100-yard games at the University of Miami. 
Stud. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. None of them were at the Bills, unfortunately. Um, you know, I don't want to give this guy's... I, I will say he was a, a first-round draft pick. I don't want to give away where he was picked exactly. Um, Career-wise, he played 11 seasons with 8,474 career rushing yards and 65 touchdowns. He scored 13 touchdowns, a career high as a rookie. Now, this was the craziest... The craziest stat of all of this is this guy won NFL Comeback Player of the Year as a rookie. I've never even heard of that before, but apparently had a terrible injury at the end of his college career, took out an insurance policy on himself. So not only did he get paid, but then he got paid again when he got drafted. Um, like I said, this guy is like notoriously hated in Buffalo. Um, he's not a big fan of local cuisine. And, um, you know, the man who immediately replaced him, you know, obviously embraced that. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy, I remember watching him and, you know, he went to two other teams and when he was at the Browns at the tail end of his career, you know, he had a decent year and I, I don't know if you guys have any uh, ideas who it might be. So I'll, I'll turn yeah. it over. Go ahead, Johnny. Brandon, I'll, I'll... Well, I like to say... I'll, I'll let you take right. this one. I was in J.C. Penney's once as probably... Uh, 11 year old kid in 2006 uh and i had like a gift card and i was like dad i want to get a bills jersey they don't have any lostman jerseys should i get a mcgahee jersey and he's like no (laughs) (laughs) ah jimbo knew and i was like no okay and i really was kind of disappointed but then i was like am i more disappointed they didn't have a lostman jersey but at this point lostman's like kind of a bust and Trent Edwards is on the roster, so it's like, well, you're kind of out of luck for jerseys there. Which, luckily, I ended up getting a Marshawn Lynch one later yeah. on. But um, Willis McGahee would be the the drought salute. And it's funny because he did break his leg, and he probably would have been a top ten pick in the draft if he didn't break his leg in his, uh, in his college career right before the draft. I mean, a genius for taking out an insurance policy on his lower body, though, man. Like. Props to him, dude. He got paid out a ton of money. But um you know. <laughs> Oh, he hurt his knee. What did he do? His knee, yeah. He Fiesta Bowl his, in two thousand and two. Yeah, Torres ACL, MCL, I don't know. Like all the ligaments. Do you know who did it? No. San Diego Chargers. Oh, that's not old. I was gonna say Quentin Jammer. Hey, Quentin had a good career. But I mean uh, famously tore all three of his ligaments in his knee. I don't know. That's why when I saw he was comeback player of the year as a rookie, I was like, yo, am I reading this right? Like, but you know, I don't know. And it's just yeah, like the whole, like an, the whole NFL thing about comeback player of the year. Yes. As a rookie, which is insane. I, like, so I've what never year would it. that have been like 2003? Oh, three, Yeah. Isn't that, I've never heard of that except for Willis, but you know, I don't know. It's just like, I'm seeing, I remember uh, him going uh, NFL comeback player of the year. 2003 is John Kitna. 2004 was Drew Brees. Yeah. Hey, hold on. It says right here. Unless it's through like a non-accredited agency, let's take a look. <laughs> it's no, it says comeback. PFWA. Oh, PFWA. Okay. Well, yeah. What, is that? what does that people stand that for? Do comeback player of the year. I didn't even realize that. I didn't know if it was just the Associated Press because that's the most. Uh, oh, it's Pro Football yeah, the, Writers of America. Okay, uh, yeah, because the Associated Press is the one that they they would you know give out at like the league honors or something like that. Well, you want to hear a, a crazy quote from uh, Willis once he was traded away from the Buffalo Bills? Okay, so Willis 
Willis, in a moment of haste, in a moment of excitement of moving career opportunities, said, when I was traded to Baltimore, I was yelling and stuff, running through the whole house, screaming, yes, yes. It was such a relief. What a guy. You know, and then he said, I really didn't like Applebee's, but there's a new Dave and Buster's opening up down the street. Now, I mean, both restaurants are great, but come on, man. They let you pour your own drink, as Marshawn Lynch said, at, at Applebee's. So, you know, ambiance, decor. So much power. Yeah, dude. Trying to figure out which one I like more. <laughs> the ambiance or the decor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, legendary clip. But yeah. Willis McGahee. He's a he's the second um he's the second running back that comes to mind when I think about early uh Bills running backs because Travis Henry. Yeah, him and like, Travis. Yeah, early. Yeah, Yo, you know what Willis else he said? McGahee. But, all right, Brandon, what do you got? All right, he said that. The Bills should move to Toronto, and they lacked many entertainment options. They got mad at him. He was like, I amassed 3,300 yards in three seasons, and I said in a magazine, Toronto guy asked me, what do you think about Toronto? And he's like, I love the city. Uh, but the headline was Willis McGahee bashed Buffalo. And he's like, all I do is go to Dave and Buster's and play video games. They said I bashed the girls in there. Listen, I got a child in Buffalo. The next thing I know, I was being traded. That's his comeback, too. Uh, like I take care of my kids in Buffalo. I see my kids in Buffalo. The price never says. So that. you think he is back? Here. What if Willis McGay has a kid that went to like Aquinas, or not Aquinas, I'm sorry, like St. Franny's or St. Joe's, dude. What if there's like a Theodore McGahee like out there? You don't know, man. He'd probably uh, yeah, be in man. high if school age. And, and you want to call in? Like, yeah. that'd be cool. Dude, honestly, you might. Dude, what if you ran into him coaching that team, the Cheektowaga team? It's just Willis's kid. And he's just Ooh. like, he's trashing everyone on your team. And you're like, like father, like son. But, um, no, I'm kidding. That's but he's crazy. actually like really good. Yeah. Is he, you'd have to be really good to talk trash like Willis, obviously. But, um, dude, that would be legendary, though, if you met Willis's kid. I mean, if he's balling out for uh, Cheektowaga varsity basketball or Cheektowaga modified basketball, I'll let you know. This is going to be an adventure tomorrow, getting this all ready before I hop on the plane. Oh, yeah, I know. We just added about 10 minutes worth of work there. I just, I got, I got grinded, man. I just, my hate for Willis was really shining through and I'm sorry, boys. That's a good hero of the drought. That's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. Yep. I was going to say though, when you were talking about Josh Allen over Mac Jones, I was going to give Nizzy a shout out and be like, it's like that John Mayer song, Comfortable. You know, I sleep with this new girl I'm still getting used to. I'm still not sure, but my friends, they approve of her. They give me high fives, you know, but you can distinguish miles from Coltrane. Our love is comfortable and so broken in Joshua Allen. You know, I just, uh, I don't know, man. That's a good quote, man. As you know, I'm a big John Mayer guy. Yeah, dude. I have a very comfortable love for Josh, but yeah. Hey, we lived in the age of worry for so long and uh, it was tough. We, slow dance in a burning room of mediocrity oh. for a really long time. And uh, now we're taking the midnight train to the Super Bowl. Hell yeah. I, uh, right, well, I'm, and then you were I'm talking move, about, oh. I'm moving on and getting over and, and getting to the in- ah, outro here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I just want to throw this into the end of the episode. Um, but because of Trey White's injury, of course, Bill's Mafia has stepped up uh, in the donation department. Uh, Bill's Mafia Babes, I believe, started this. Um, but if you guys want to contribute to or, or donate to Trey White's uh, preferred charity of choice, it is Food Bank of Northwestern Louisiana. And you can find them on Twitter at 
Food Bank of NWLA. And people have been uh, making donations in increments of $27. So if you are feeling generous today, you can donate to their foundation and that will help feed people in Northwest Louisiana. And that's Shreveport, uh, man. Apparently. Metropolis. Yep. Been there. And uh, yeah, Trey White's. Wait, you've uh, seriously, you seriously been to Shreveport, Louisiana, bro? You're not joking. No, I, I'm not kidding. I actually, uh, I played <laughs> bass for a gig. At that's a like a random place once. to be. Right. Yep. How was no, it? Not too bad. Been there. Yeah, it was a city. You know, <laughs> it had buildings. <laughs> it was a city. What a gentleman, man. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, no, if Will McGahey just would have said that, who's not gonna insult it, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, it's a city, bro. Here's the thing. Like, like, I, I there was nothing bad about it. Like I just I didn't get to see much of it because I uh, I had a buddy in Nashville who was playing a show down there, and he. Uh, he uh, he lives in Nashville, but he's playing a show at the casino down there, and he needed to fill in on base. So I went down there and played. All I got to see was the casino, so I didn't get to see much of the city or anything like that. But yeah, it was nice. I uh, I think I played frisbee golf or something <laughs> down there while I was there. So that was that was great nice. game. That was yeah, nice. great game. Yeah, from your phys ed teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dude, that so, was legendary, anyway. though. You got to leave that in, man. You've been there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Food Bank of Northwestern Louisiana. Um, and so I'll be getting my $27 donation in here and uh, you can do the same. So also I was, I'll, I'll, I'll tell Brandon, you and Pat about this too. I, I was thinking that maybe we could do a little weekly segment on the show. I don't know if we fit it into the the Tuesday or the Friday episode, but yeah, if there's any like local uh, Buffalo nonprofits or anything like that. Maybe we highlight one every week or something like that. So, oh yeah, that's a good yeah, you, yeah, you, dude, you I can give us members, some. Uh, I, I have a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. So, audience members too. If you if you want to send us a DM on Twitter or something like that, if you know a, a Buffalo nonprofit that that could use some uh, that you just want to you want to shout out or we can donate to or anything like that, let us know and uh, we'll share it on the show. Because you got to remember, you got two. Non for profit employees here working for the Yimsum of the Buffalo Niagara region, uh, YMCA nonprofit, whatever you want to call it. So we love all the work that nonprofits do in our community. So that's cool to highlight them. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Also, you know, not to take the thunder from the nonprofits, but I will say my giveaway winner, uh, it was the quote, the big dumb QB haver with a bio uh, that reads, Bills need a QB hell of a running back, T-H-O. Uh, he entered our giveaway. And our other giveaway is a dedicated listener. I love his takes. I love that he chimes in. Uh, his name is Hogan Mejia, a.k.a. Big Chalupa 5000. Uh, we love so you, we got two winter hats sent out to them for, th- for listening. Uh, thank you for entering. And uh, maybe we'll do another one closer to Christmas. But Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Hogan's the best. Dude, literally, yeah, love, literally, love you, brother. Thanks literally for might be top ten humans on the planet. Anyway, but yeah, dude, yo, literally. he knows. Like yeah, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Well, for thanks this, again. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. So this is this turned out to be a long episode. I thought this one was gonna be like a thirty minute and uh, here we are in the uh, the sec- second segment. Yo, yeah. we're so far past my bedtime right yeah, now. Man, I, well I feel, I feel so bad, bro. Like you're gonna have to edit this shit forever, dude. I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. We got I got ranting, dude. And uh, man, <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. All right. 
Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Not Buff Podcast. And uh, yeah, send us your comments, DM us if you want a uh, something for us to talk about on the show. But we'll be back on Friday with uh, Brando's Bets. And Brando, also, Brando's Bets hit this week. Wee, so wee, wee. We, are, we are back on track. <laughs> Brando's Bets was three for three. Uh, uh, yeah, right. driving in the Brinks truck, baby. Also, Brandon is the most humble person Listen. on this entire show. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back. Hey man, we'll he's a financial advisor. Bets and uh, our game picks. I'm not. Pat, you can't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, well. <laughs> that opens us up legally, bro. <laughs> All right. We'll, also, we'll, when you lose that much, you got to savor the wins. All right. Yeah, there you go. We'll see you guys on Friday. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.